When a rose is a rose is not a rose. This is The Focus Group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. How are you, Mr. Nash? Um, with lighting issues, I think I look a little jaundiced, or maybe I've been in the issues. sun too much. Well, you know, I have that one of those little lights that we had that kind of puts a light on you. Oh, there you, you are. Well, <laughs> I feel bright. I feel like I'm too bright. I think it's because I'm sitting in front of the window. The sun. Oh, you look sun fine. Finally. And, and this is, uh, like normally this, the light just died. And you know what? The minute it died, I smiled because it happened to you all the time. Oh my God. Remember the little no. battery light? You'd be like, oh, it would just go off. And, you, and you'd and you be fine, but you'd notice the difference. And you said to me, oh, these darn little lights. Well, they sent three three of them to me, three new ones. It was similar to my Volkswagen. You had no problem with your Volkswagen <laughs> yeah, all track. I Mine had the IP had to be taken out and the electric. I mean, that thing was in the shop like crazy. And uh, But you seem to have the one that worked. So you, you yes. have the light that worked. Although I'm now going to take your advice and get that tire replaced. You know, after we went and had it fixed with the seal, it drove for about 275 miles before the light came on, which basically tells me there's something wrong with the seal. It's minor. What was wrong with the tire? Did you hit a pothole? I don't know. I don't know. Bob hit a pothole. No, originally had a nail in it that got fixed. And then we went back and uh, then it started doing the pressure thing again. But very... You, you, I mean, we're talking, you had to go two, 300 miles before the light came on. So well, I was like, oh, should we, we worry? I said, no, there's a lot of things to worry about with tires. This is something we can last till we get to Mavis and they, I'm just going to have a new tire put on. I'm going to take it from there. Yeah. They're in worst cases. Do you know how to change the tire in your car? Yes, I do. And I, there's that whole kit in the back with the lug nut thing, the whole yeah. bit. And there's a spare. I always check the spare. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, a, I, I used to always. When I worked for the auto company, I, that having having somebody learn how to change a tire plus uh, learn how to drive a manual shift car were two of the uh, things that it would have for people to do for their um, yearly goals. If really, they didn't know how to do it. And then, of course, I, I but I thought it was important if you worked at a car company, you should be able to drive a manual shift car. Mm-hmm. Many in the ad agency couldn't, so they'd get cars and then they couldn't drive them. And we purposely would send manual shifts to them. <laughs> Because they should know how to drive. This is stuff that I love learning. Uh, for our listeners, Tim taught me how to drive standard. He has the patience of a saint. We did it in, uh, was it the red Volkswagen? Was it Mary's? Somebody used Mary's car. Yeah. yeah. But the floorboard was kind of missing on yeah, the passenger side. Car. It was yeah. Mary's car. And we did it at the Memorial School parking lot was where a lot of this took place because there was a little hill as well. And, and sometimes Tim would be like, okay, we're going to. Go from zero to acceleration on a hill. I'm like, no, we're not. Yes, we are. Here's how you're going to do it. You get up, you brake, you put the handbrake, you know. And once you learn, it's kind of like a bicycle, right? You never, right. You never forget it. And boy, you can get kinda... rusty with it. You know, certain cars are touchy yeah. with the clutch. When we drove coast to coast with the, the turbo diesel Beetle mm-hmm. from Volkswagen, that was a manual. Yeah, I, yes, it, it was. And I remember when I was at, my turn <laughs> i did something you're like wow you stalled a couple times i did okay. and also but you have to get you have to feel the clutch you have to feel sometimes the i didn't do it correctly clutch. and you're like well glad this is not our car because they're going to rebuild that transmission <laughs> well those are on the shit can anyways diesel <laughs> well yeah fake news right talk about talk about being disappointed 
<laughs> well, because you loved a diesel car, you were getting all kinds of mileage. 44, Plus, you were contaminating the air, John. You were you were part of the problem. I, I was it. the solution. I You're part it. of the problem. <laughs> You're the solution. So, you know, I was crowing a few weeks ago. I think I was like really crowing, like, "Oh, my allergies have been great. My yeah. eyes aren't bothering you, you, me." Your whole body readjusted. You said you went on a you you, you know a histamine reset. Yeah. Well, I that those happy days are here again came to a crashing halt oh, this they weekend did. when I cut the grass about an hour after I cut the grass my I thought my eyes were I wanted to itch oh them out God. of my head then it began and you know what all you had to do is look outside the hood of the car had this yellow your your cars must have the same oh God, pine horrible. trees right yeah this little it's Oprah's favorite color by the way <laughs> she likes that color green they had a, they made a crayon out of it for her crayola God bless crayola Some sort of right? emeraldy you know iridescent green some kind of crazy, crazy. But you're right. No, the pollen's been horrible this year. So down there, everybody's gearing up for official summer start at Memorial Day. Or do, oh, does Rehoboth kind of begin a little early? Well, games of chance open yet? Oh yes, that opened, and I was invited to a family family fun night. Richard refused to go, but um, <laughs> yeah, I gotta have a word with him because because you so and Bob, Bob would have gone with me. We would have loved it. Yeah. You didn't want to, he had no interest. Of course, the weather down here was horrible, though. It was raining. So nobody wants to go to Funland when it's raining outside to the amusement park, play games of chance. But, um, or ride the, the Viking ship that goes yes. three inches away from a condo's window, right? The Airbnb. The Airbnb. But the, the <laughs> season here starts, uh, May, you know, seasonal quotes, May 15th through September 15th. And I was called an elitist because I wanted to raise parking a dollar. So it's free beach. Free boardwalk needs to be clean. Garbage needs to pick, be picked up. We have 90 lifeguards. We have 18 additional wow. police. 90? Someone's got to pay for it. They built a brand new $2 million gender neutral bathroom. Uh, was all that these the, other, is that the one? Is that down by? Um, down near the bandstand. Right, right. Okay, so it's not the main. You know how you come down the main strip yeah. and you can circle and go back? It's, no, it's, it's off it's, to the right. Okay. But they, and then people are bitching, and I was called an elitist in the newspaper. They charge $2 an hour for parking and on a beach, beach block. There's not wow. a place in the East Coast you can go for two bucks, and we don't charge for mm -hmm. the beach. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of communities in New Jersey, for instance, you have to have beach tags. Um, did you project the revenue you would have raised if you got the dollar, the extra dollar? Well, we, they finally did it. And then, you know, everybody's saying the town's going to die. Really? You, where can, else can you go and park? For a dollar, for, and you can, and it, and it's a twelve-hour limit, right? So for thirty-six bucks, I mean, you go to Philadelphia, you know, run in for five minutes, and you go to a parking garage is twenty-five dollars. Now it's Philadelphia, but you know, to park at the beach in a beach block should be five dollars an hour, in my opinion. I just remember, Tim, look at it this way: what would, what did it cost to to drive into Herring Cove or Race Point in P Town? Do you remember you could buy like a season pass or yeah. you could do a day thing? And something tells me. Was it, it was like 15 I, yeah. I seem to remember 15 bucks or something and it was limited if you didn't get there at a certain time the spots were taken yep. and, and you had to it. sit in the traffic and if someone left someone went in someone yeah. left so you're do, yeah. yeah no well, the, the people down here i mean it's 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 a it's a uh an odd place at best and for all my robot you know fans listening it's you all know it's an odd place so uh <laughs> But anyway, that's that's my uh, that's my shaboom there. So without further ado, Mr. Nash, what uh, caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. What caught my eye is science. Uh oh, she blinded me with 
one of our favorite <laughs> bands in the world. Um, and it, de it deals with an award that was recently given. And uh, let's switch to the graphics. So the NASA Goddard astrophysicist, Dr. Jane Rigby, was awarded the 2022 LGBTQ plus scientist of the year. And when you hear about all her accomplishments, it's pretty amazing. Um, she is at the Goddard Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, and she was just awarded this uh, Scientist of the Year by Out to Innovate. The LGBTQ Scientist of the Year Award recognizes, here's how it goes, an individual who has made outstanding contributions to their field through design, research, or management. Rigby, an astrophysicist, is also the operations project scientist for the NASA's James Webb Space Telescope. Wow. Rigby earned degrees in both physics and astronomy and astrophysics at Penn State University. And this is one of the reasons I picked her, because she's up there in Pennsylvania, and her PhD in astronomy from University of Arizona. Rigby develops new techniques to study galaxy evolution, star-forming galaxies, and active galactic nuclei. And here she says, uh, when I was a student, all through college, I wasn't aware of any LGBTQ role models. I hope I'm part of the last generation who grew up without queer role models. I hope this award brings hope to queer folks pursuing careers in STEM, and I hope it reminds organizations that inclusion matters every single day. I also see this award as a recognition of how transformative Webb will be for our astronomy. I'm so proud of helping that telescope become reality. So just to remind people, the, Webb's, the James Webb Space Telescope was launched a few months ago, two and a half months ago. It's at its position. It's operating perfectly. They just calibrated the uh, all the equipment, and they're starting to get some amazing images. What are they getting pictures of? Other star clusters. They actually believe that they could get pictures of other solar systems, possibly exoplanets. They have to be as large as Jupiter or Saturn, which are enormous, by the way. They're like 50 times larger than the Earth. Um, so she's worked on... Keck and Magellan Observatories, these are ground-based. She's worked on the Hubble Space Telescope. She has published more than 100 peer-reviewed publications. She's given numerous professional and public presentations on her research and on the James Webb Space Telescope. Rigby has been recognized for her research, mentorship, and diversity-related work with awards such as the John C. Lindsay Memorial Award for Science, and she served on the 2020 Decadel Survey of Astronomy and Astrophysics for the National Aeronautics Academy. Um, she's pretty amazing. I mean, I picked, I, there's, I could go through more of this as well, but um, what I loved about this was she's LGBTQ, and she's got, Tim, what did you used to say? She's got more degrees. How does more that, degrees than a thermometer. A thermometer. <laughs> well, but, I hope she becomes one of the out 100 if she hadn't been already, rather than somebody else again from RuPaul's Drag Race. I, I agree. I, I agree. You, you know, this is the sort of person that should be celebrated, regardless of the fact that uh, she's, uh, I assume she's a lesbian. Yes, she is. I, uh, what's an astrophysicist do? Uh, astrophysicists look at um, galaxy formation, <laughs> solar system. Yeah, it, it's the physics of the, of the galaxy and the universe as a whole. So, uh, Did you ever study, want to do anything like that? You know, I have a... A you got a problem it, with math, but I have no patience for it. In fact, you know, I was, I'm reading a book now called The Last Leonardo. Did you know that Leonardo da Vinci only has about 19 paintings that are truly, truly credited to his hand? And then there's a whole world of paintings that maybe Leonardo, maybe one of his students. But the intro to the book had talked about Leonardo da Vinci, and they said that he was a man who was gifted with vision and talent, didn't have the patience to 
to pursue some of it and, and didn't have the stick to it to, you know, so he could have been like, so when I look at astrophysics and science and chemistry, these are very dedicated, you know, I like bouncing around and discovering new things. I don't know that I would have had the patience to be an astrophysicist. I like it. I to like get the a, idea to get into the real minutiae of it. Exactly. Exactly. I thought yeah. you might because you do. You do. You're kind of very curious about stuff. But I just didn't know if I know you, both you and I struggled a little bit with math. So <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, Tim's putting it mildly. I had feedback from my teachers directly to my mom, who taught in our school district. And one day, one of my teachers came up to Carol and says, "Carol." That son of yours, he's got trouble with math. My mom's like, well, so what? He's like, no, this is very important. She goes, no. And she, he said, what do you mean? He goes, and she says to the teacher, it might have been, oh, it was John Mudry was complaining about my English. Did Mudry taught you English too? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, geography. And to ge- this day, okay. I'm still afraid of geography. But I, <laughs> but I learned a lot. You did. You're very good with geography. Um, thanks to John Mudry, my spelling improved. Like, I'm a great speller now. Um, but with math... Mm, you know, she basically said to the math teacher, uh, you know, if John's not interested in it, he's just not going to do well and he must not be interested in it. So let's not worry about it. <laughs> That's well, a parent for you, right? Well, you, you know, now they get all spun mm-hmm. up on it. But I often want I, I had I remember in high school, there were many semesters, many, I guess, semesters. We call them, what did we call them? Quarters. I guess we got four school years, cards a year. half a year. Yeah. But there were there were many report cards where I'd have five A's and a D, <laughs> or five A's and a C, which kept me off of the honor society because I did not do well in math. And I, what I never understood is nobody ever. And I would ask, and I would have tutoring, and I would try to get help in it. But nobody ever, like I would think, if you were at school, you'd look at that and say, "Hmm, you're getting five A's and then a D." To me, that's a it's a warning sign, don't you think? Of know. what? That maybe they need help in math. Eh. You know, I I agree with you. I do because it, keep, it keeps you at a good school, right? It could potentially. How did you do on the SAT? Math? Not good, but math it was like you know three something or four hundred. I know it killed for, my score. I know. I I don't was it get two hundred for your name? Yes, and who was my <laughs> who was my guidance counselor at the time? I got one of the highest scores in, in, in English for English and one of the lowest in math. And I said, "Well, how low?" And she said, "You get two hundred for signing your name." Yeah. So- <laughs> I think you and I were pretty close in math. Of course, we shared our calculator too, so it's no wonder <laughs> with the dead battery. No wonder those answers kept coming up wrong. <laughs> so anyway, well, that's a good good caught my eye with her. She lives in Maryland, huh? Yeah, yeah. University of Pennsylvania. I just thought. When I see something like this, a woman who's contributing so much to science and she's LGBTQ plus and she's awarded for that fact, it needs to be recognized. Right. Well, good, good pick. My, um, when you heard the opening, I, I used an old uh, Gertrude Stein quote, when a rose is a rose is a rose. But I said, when a rose is a rose is not a rose. And it's related to this story here. It's poor little private Catholic school called St. Anselm's in Philadelphia held a sale in honor of Mother's Day, and they offered the pupils the opportunity, this is a, a K through sixth grade, a K through eighth grade. They offered the kids an opportunity to purchase these faux, faux roses for their moms for Mother's Day. And what the school used to do is they'd run out to kind of street vendors in Philly, They're, if anybody's familiar, and a lot of big cities are street vendors. And they bought all these faux roses and then um, gave them to the kids. The kids brought them home to Mama. So I'll post it to our Facebook page, which is Focus Group <laughs> a good one. Radio, because the video of the father opening this with the mom is absolutely hilarious. 
this may be my most this may be the most my most favorite story of the year so far. So these little kids unknowingly, this this particular kid was in first grade, brings the rose home to mom and she says it's so pretty and it's wrapped in plastic and there's a little rose at the end. And she goes to take the plastic off to put it in a vase. And lo and behold, the fake rose was really a red thong. <laughs> and the thong, the thong, you can see the father there pulling it out. And then he pulls it out and he's screaming. They're laughing. She's like, thank you, St. Anselm's. And then obviously it went viral. She posted the video. The school was mortified. A lot of the parents were good sports about it. And uh, but the school and the archdiocese bent over backwards with apologies, and we don't know how this happened. We'll have to find a new vendor. The uh, they said the um, the vendor accidentally sold them leftover Valentine's Day <laughs> flowers <laughs> that the kids use for Mother's Day, and um, so the, the internet, as I said, went went crazy about it. There was uh, there was one one person said, you know, darn, next year, if they start a little earlier, they'll break all kinds of records. <laughs> <laughs> but the school responded. They said, Mother's, this Mother's, it's, they school said they were sorry for the Mother's Day mix-up. Uh, it had come to their attention that the roses sold at our Mother's Day sale were not flowers and not the product we originally intended. We're going to determine how this error occurred and take steps to prevent it for, you know, further occurring. And uh, then, as I said, the archdiocese called it an unfortunate mistake and apologized deeply. But um, so I thought here's it was my hilarious. question: Do you think the vendor knew what they were doing? You know, I was wondering about that. Um, like, let's send these. Hey, we got a box of these things. Let's send them over to the Catholic <laughs> school, right? Well, or you know, I hate to say it. You know, who didn't you and I buy? I want to say you and I did something one time where we bought something and it was not what it was supposed to be. I, I think what happened is my guess is they said they do a lot of this vendor wholesale stuff. Yeah. And you know, old Joey bag of donuts is in there with whoever. <laughs> one of my favorite phrases, right? You're off in some wholesale thing and you're mm -hmm. like, you know, you have anything the kids can sell for, for the, Oh, I got a bunch of red roses. Okay. Right. You know, they came in from some vendor off the street that didn't sell it at Valentine's Day and gave them to the kids for pennies on the dollar. I mean, you and I have done some crazy things in our day. One of the classic was when Ella Grasso was really sick and you were in charge of going out to get her a gift. Well, that was mean. And it was like a little, it was like a children's storybook. It was like, you're a dog or like here was a was like it? doggy kitty. The doggy kitty, sicky. And then you open it up in the little mirrors. It's sicky. And it's sicky. And it's, Poor woman and, was dying of cancer. And we sent it on behalf of the student government. Yeah, and you know who you know the other one who approved of that was the head of the with the uh, advisor was that was that Bev Hawkers? Bev Hawkers, she, she went right down the road. <laughs> We'd be that sort her. of advisor, I would guess. Don't yeah. you think? Mm, so. You bet we would. I and we would be the kind that the kids are like, "What are these roses? Don't worry, just bring them home. Your mom's gonna laugh. She's gonna love it." So you you still this this had to pop up in the Philly news. Is is that where you caught this? You know, I it, it actually this came this was in a. Um, one of the New York sites had this, but then yes, the Philly had picked it up for the C local CBS local affiliate and they showed the video on TV and then it hit the internet and uh, even papers over, over in Europe picked it up and everybody's just laughing. So it's the greatest thing they've heard all day. Are you going to post this to Facebook? Yes, the video, I'll, I'll the post reaction the video because the father is great. The, the mother's like, oh, oh, you know, little, you know, little Joey brought home Mother's Day rose. Oh, isn't that sweet? Open it up. <laughs> then you hear the mother screaming, laughing. <laughs> so, 
Now, do you think the kid was present when they were laughing? Uh, I don't know. So they don't. They didn't. They didn't do any shame. No one got in trouble. No, it was just no. like, okay, good. I mean, good. you can imagine. I mean, imagine if one of us did that. Those little kids, you brought it home for your mom. Where'd you get this? I bought. I bought it at school. I mean, how mm-hmm. could you not laugh? Yeah, particularly since laughing. it's a. Yeah. Particularly since it's, it's you know this little Catholic school too, which even puts it, you know, puts a finer finer uh, point to it. So I just thought that was hilarious. So there you go. Uh, so yeah, check out the video. We'll put it on our uh, our Facebook page under uh, Focus Group Radio. The uh, many of you know that uh, Deep Discount has been with us since uh, well since a long time now, and uh, they're one of our favorite sponsors. And right now they've got a horror and sci-fi sale going on. If you head over to focusgroupradio.com, you'll see their logo over there on the right hand side. Click on it and start shopping away, and uh, take advantage of their horror and sci-fi sale. Mr. Nash, what did you find over there? I am taking advantage of the sale to get a movie that I had that pops up, folks, on many top ten sci-fi movies of the last ten years or really? so. Um, modern sci-fi, and it's one that I read about all the time. And I'm like, why haven't I seen this? And it's called Looper. And here's the summation: Although time travel, God, oh, we talked about that, <laughs> didn't we? Didn't I ask yeah. you about that with that black hole? The black holes, yeah, has been outlawed in the year 2074. Criminal organizations still use it to dispose of their enemies, sending them back 30 years where they're eliminated by contract killers called loopers. In 2044, a looper named Joe Simmons, who's played by Joseph Joseph Gordon-Levitt, realizes that his latest target is his older self, who's played by Bruce Willis, who means to carry out a hit of his own. So uh, it also stars my one of my favorites, Emily Blunt. You'll remember she's been in a lot of movies, but she my favorite role of hers is the assistant in Devil Wears Prada, the coats, the coats, um, and also Jeff Daniels. So um, loopers on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray or DVD. But um, this is what I'm going to be ordering because, again, I it comes up all the time. And looper is one that I just want to see. I, and you've not seen it, huh? No. Which is, it, isn't that interesting that it comes up on these lists and I'm like, oh, and it always gets very good ratings. It's like someone's like, this is a smart movie, well acted. So, was there know, a book I, about it? Because you, you'd usually read the book too. No, no, this was a, just an original story. Are you still reading a lot of sci- science fiction? I just finished a book that was a, it was a uh, two-part two series or two books to the series. And now I'm reading this last Leonardo, which Bob turned me on to, actually. You know, Bob picks up some fun books now and then, so I'm enjoying that. Hmm. Not as much, I'm not reading as much as I'd like to. And you know what I think I need to do? I think I need to can the news and start reading just fiction again because, boy, the world is crazy, right? Well, you used to always spend an hour, you know, either at the end of the day or beginning of the day reading. Reading, you? yeah. Yeah. Okay, my uh, mine could not be any further. I went a little deep into the into the uh, portfolio there. <laughs> Have you heard of Munchies and Munchie? No. So yeah, so uh, two movies. <laughs> it's a double feature. You can get it um, for twenty one fifty three in uh, in TV, uh, Blu-ray. And uh, so Munchies came out in nineteen eighty seven. It essentially is a cheesy ripoff of Gremlins. So Gremlins was very popular. You know, ET. I guess. It, 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 uh, no, E.T. hadn't come out yet, had it? 87? No, it did. And uh, so these little little, um, little monsters, little aliens from, from uh, outer space, they uh, develop a love for women and attacking people and for junk food. And they like junk food and they like beer. And uh, <laughs> it took... It, it, 
can't it, believe you found this, right? Junk took food and beer. Okay. Junk food and beer. It took 12 days for them to shoot it. And uh, it comes from the um, creators of Little House of Horrors. The casts in both of these, Lonnie Anderson, Dom DeLuise, Harvey Corman, uh, Artie, um, Artie Lang. Is he the comedian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to find that here. But um, so I just, or I'm sorry, Artie Johnson. Artie Lang, I think, was Howard Stern. Artie Johnson plays uh, a professor, crazy professor. So the follow-up in 1992 is just a um, tiny little gremlin looking thing. And the plot there is this poor kid has no friends. He's at a new school. His mom, Lonnie Anderson's in love with a sleazy lawyer. Lonnie Anderson. Things are really WKRP bleak. WKRP right. Cincinnati, Lonnie yep. Anderson? Okay. And uh, so suddenly they, this, uh, the 10-year-old, they, they get this magical munchie which is Dom DeLuise, this little <laughs> puppet thing that was, that was, um, that comes into his life and helps him get revenge on all the people that uh, have bullied him and, and uh, picked on him. And uh, this little mysterious creature is always hungry again, likes junk food and eating and uh, likes to deliver flying pizzas. So these pizzas fly <laughs> around. I was reading the reviews and as I was reading the reviews, I also was reading all the comments and people said, Oh my God, this is one of the cheesiest movies ever. I've watched it a million times. times. I've watched it over and over again. It's been part on uh, uh, the first one, part of Mystery Science uh, Theater. Theater 3000 to the yeah. So, anyway, double feature of uh, Munch and Munchies. And uh, you can pick that up at Deep Discount. Munchie and Munchies. Yeah. God, Tim, you do find some classics. And thank you, Deep Discount, for having it there. Right? I know. I mean, this I is you like, can't beat it. Th- this is the kind of thing you want to almost put on at a party. Yeah, just let it run. <laughs> just let it run when people screaming with pizzas flying around. Yeah. What was the new release? The new release is Licorice Pizza. Um, this I've is not a. Seen that. I want to see it. Te- I really want to see it because it's supposed to be great, and I love the director. So this comes to us um, from Paul Thomas Anderson, who you may know for Magnolia, Phantom Thread, The Master, one of my all-time favorites, and Tim, I know it's one of yours, Boogie Nights from nineteen eighty-seven. Oh, yeah. Licorice Pizza came out to some really great critical acclaim. It's the timeless story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and falling in love in the San Fernando Valley in 1973. I was very young then. This hypnotically yeah. gorgeous, funny, romantic movie freewheels its way around from scene to scene, from character to character, from set piece to set piece with absolute mastery. Paul Thomas Anderson's most lovable and magical work to date. Um, the reason this was really getting the critics like all excited was because Alana Haim plays the central, one of the central characters. And this was one of her first roles, if I'm not mistaken. And according to all the critics, she knocks it out of the park. So this is, if you didn't see it in the theaters, this is a really great time to pick up licorice pizza. So there you go, folks. Let's I've read. always wondered the, about the name. I wonder if it's explained in the movie. Let me read more about the, uh, Watching the Chris like, yeah, doesn't stand always, by where the name comes from, but it has I love Brad- it. Two, of my, two of my favorite things. But you know, Bradley Cooper's in the movie, Sean Penn's in the movie, um, Tom Waits and Benny Safdie. It's so it's yes, and the director alone should want to make you like start dialing for dollars and picking up going to the focusgroupradio.com, clicking on the deep discount logo and get licorice pizza. All right, so to recap, folks, uh, it's the horror and sci fi movie sale it's a deep discount i picked looper a top 10 sci-fi film that i have yet to see uh joseph joseph gordon leave it and bruce willis tim picked a 
film that I have <laughs> never heard. It's a double feature. Never yeah. heard of in my life. Munchies and Munchie. Uh, just go back a little bit and replay Tim's description of the movie. I think you will want to run just out cheesy. and buy it. And uh, last but not least, we have Licorice Pizza is the new release. So there you go, folks. Um, thank you, Deep Discount. Again, focusgroupradio.com. Click on the Deep Discount logo and begin your shopping experience. We are going to take a super quick break. When we come back, we have business birthday and shop talk. So stay with us. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now back to the focus group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Hey, welcome back to the focus group. Tim Bennett here with John Nash. We are the focus group here every Wednesday. Find us uh, live streaming or find us streaming at YouTube and at Facebook under Focus Group Radio. Also find out all about us at focusgroupradio.com. Mr. Nash, the lighting on you, I think, looks pretty good. I don't, you, you, uh, I don't know. It makes. Uh, I like the other one that goes straight on because it Do gives you? you that. Yeah, but but battery says it's charged now. I'm not going to bother with it. But did you get your bike fixed, by the way? Ah, uh, yes. And then I had disappointment. So, um, bike went in for its spring tune-up. I had the rear cassette changed. That tends to be every two years you do that new chain put on. And my bike's in pretty great shape. He did a couple little things, fixed a little tightened up a few things here and there and then i come in to pick it up and my mechanic who i love who owns the store said you know i'm thinking of selling the shop and i'm like oh my god so i sent him a note and he told me why and it made sense and he was going to still be involved if he could pull that off i sent him a note later and i said i'm so sorry i'm glad you shared the news um i'm going to miss your expertise knowledge and uh, experience but everything you've done that I in the last seven years has been a really successful decision. So I think this is going to be good. Then he sends me a note right back. He goes, dude, I'm not dead. <laughs> he goes, I'll always be here to help you out. So I'm That's one of his funny. more favorite customers, I think. Do, do you think they, um, stores like that, does he make money? You think? Yes. He, he, you know, the problem is, um, his kids are going to two different schools and one is an hour drive or a 45 minute commute each way. Right. So between him and his wife, they're running around, picking up the kids. They're doing a lot of things. And in bicycle world, a, a shop rests solely on the reputation of its mechanics. Right. You know, I remember once there was a shop I went to here in the city called SIDS. And, you know, they had a great mechanic. And he took care of me. And, oh, my God, took great care of my bike. And then he left. And then everybody stopped going to SIDS because that guy wasn't there. Right. And, there and I picked up my bike one day and it was damaged. They had fixed wow. it, but they had broken something else. And I'm like, okay. And you know, you, you're, you're like me. You've had experiences at a garage where you'll go in and you'll get something or they'll lie to you. And you'll be like, I don't have to go to that place again. Right. right? Yeah. And you Same won't deal. because yeah, yeah. if they lie to you once, they're going to lie to you again. <laughs> <laughs> and again, and again, yeah, if you're yeah. dumb enough to go, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's, um, let's do our business birthday. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. Born today on May 18th, but he was born in 1889. Thomas Midgley <laughs> Jr. was born. He uh, he died at 55 in uh, 1944. Young, yes, he was young, but you'll find out why he died. He was a uh, an American me uh, mechanical and chemical engineer, but... He's most famously known for developing leaded gasoline and Freon. 
Wow. Well, wow. he was planet working, killer, planet killer. Well, while he was working for General Motors. So, uh, and uh, so let it get. So, he was born in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, to a family which had a history of invention. His father invented uh, some products within the automobile tire industry. And his maternal grandfather invented the uh, inserted tooth saw. So, I guess they were tinkerers. He began working at General Motors in 1916. And uh, he was working under the direction of a guy named Charles Kettering, which you've probably heard of the Kettering plant or whatever. Yes, most certainly, yeah. But uh, and he developed there. He he came. He was he was tinkering around the research lab, and discovered that if he added this particular chemical, which uh, the letters are T E L, but it's tetraethylid, to gasoline, it prevented knocking. So it was essentially leaded gas. So when he would put the leaded gas into the internal uh, combustion engine it would stop knocking. And so General Motors nicknamed this Ethel, and uh, they went out and they started selling it and advertising it to oil companies and automobile manufacturers. And we're telling them that this additive, uh, they'd be able to make money on, it was going to help your engines, engines run better and so forth and so on. But people said, well, isn't it, um, you know, isn't it poisonous with all, all this lead? And uh, he said no. Um, Midgley said no initially, but he ended up in 1923 having to take a long vacation in Miami, Florida to cure himself from lead poisoning. Oh my God. Seriously? Yeah. He found that his lungs had been affected and that it was necessary for him to drop all work and get a large supply of fresh air is what he said. Wow. So in, that was 1923. So in 1923, General Motors created this uh, chemical company uh, to supervise this production of Tell with DuPont. And Midgley was vice president. But then as he was working on this project, this was out in, in, uh, in the Dayton area, there were two people that died. And then in 1924... Wow. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Right. Then in 1924, um, there were another uh, group of people. They said that uh, the uh, morale at the plant wasn't very good. Eight people died and uh, at the plant when they moved it uh, to DuPont's plant in New Jersey. So uh, General Motors was dissatisfied that uh, they weren't able to sell a lot of this uh, ethyl product, but um, because people were saying, well, maybe there was something wrong with this lead and it was causing hallucinations and insanity and additional deaths. So um, <laughs> they'd said that the negative effects of lead had been known 150 years before when Ben <laughs> Franklin wrote about his experiences as a typesetter. Your favorite, uh, your favorite father of the country, right? right? So they said Midgley kept being told that he, they said he was warned over and over again, 1922, 1923, 1924, not to be dealing and, and dicking around with this, you know, lead, lead. lead gas. Anyway, so in October 1924, he participated in a press conference, and General Motors and DuPont had him demonstrate the safety of this, and he poured it all over his hands, <sighs> placed the bottle of the chemical under his nose, inhaled it for 60 seconds, and declared that he could do this every day without succumbing to any problem. The state of New Jersey immediately ordered the plant closed. <laughs> So, I like your timing on that one, by so, the way. The state of New Jersey immediately right. recorded the plant closed. He then later had to take a leave of absence because he was diagnosed once again. Now this is the second time with lead poisoning. So these, he was relieved wait, of wait, wait, Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, does it ever really leave your body? Well, he got another dose. Okay. So General Motors took him off this project and <laughs> sent him over to the next best thing, refrigeration and air conditioning. <laughs> And there was another toxic chemical there. I'm not going to go into all the names, but essentially he replaced all these ammonia and, and sulfur dioxide 
um, different types of uh, toxic chemicals with Freon. <laughs> Helped with refrigerants. And uh, got all kinds I, of I prizes. Do, I do not mean to be laughing at this yeah. because it's tragic. But, I mean, my God. But it led to Freon. He went I, from lead to gasoline to Freon. If so, you told me the next thing he worked on was trying to you know, like hold mercury in his hand, you know, remember mercury when a oh, yeah. thermometer would break, it skitter around, it was dangerous. Well, he won all kinds of awards oh from the God. American Chemical Society and, and different I'm sure. sort of <laughs> named awards for all of his his. Uh, you know, he changed the world with lead, gasoline, and freon. Well, 1940, at the age of 51, he contracted polio. So this mm. left him severely disabled, but he devised a very elaborate system of ropes and pulleys to lift himself out of bed. However, tragically, in 1944, he became entangled with the device and died of strangulation. <laughs> Wait a minute. The levers and bullies did him in, but him not, in. The not the leaded gas, gas and freon. or the freon. Right. Do you so think so his the, polio diagnosis was somehow related to, oh, to the I chemicals? Know. You know, back then, you know, he probably didn't get the shot. Oh. Um, he was granted, he grant over his career, he was granted over, uh, more than a hundred patents. However, the new scientist magazine called him quote, one man, a, a one man environmental disaster. <laughs> <laughs> they said his legacy has been scarred by the negative environmental impact of the leaded gasoline of Freon. They opined that, uh, Mitchley had a more adverse impact on the atmosphere than any other single organism in earth's history. <laughs> And they remarked that he had an instinct for the regrettable. That was almost uncanny. So, um, <laughs> all right. Time magazine included his leaded gasoline and Freon in their list of the 50 worst inventions. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Tom. Who got strangled by levers and bullies. And, his, 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 <laughs> and bullies. I don't know where his wife was. Well, she might have been in the other room thinking, you know what, we'll, we'll let him go with the levers and pulleys for a while. But they said, you know, his destruction on the earth, uh, we will not recover from soon. Anyway, the, um, this is according to science magazine. But, I, you know, there were lots of other people I could have pulled. This one, I just found something. Something Tim and John interesting about, him. about it. Yeah. So Thomas Midgley Jr., 55 years old, died with the ropes and pulleys on the, on the bed versus the leaded gasoline or freon that he developed. So, all right, he died in 1944, so that's 6, 7, 8, 50, 60, 70, 78 or 80 years ago. So this is way in the past, but look at the legacy he leaves behind, which is why, was it time saying he was one of the 50, you know? Yeah, Freon and uh, Leaded Gas, two of the worst of the 50th and 50. Worse than my that. god tim you did find a classic today congratulations yeah, you this know is... i yeah and i like him i think because uh you know we've not covered him before it's getting harder to find people we haven't covered mm. so you know but mm. uh yeah we may have to start straying from the day well we've done that a few times we used to do that uh, when we were on serious yeah you could probably maybe we could just say week of we would do the weeks yeah, yeah. we would do the week but i like doing the day because you and i were going to do a book which nobody was interested in not the way we wanted to do it, but I still think that there. we had a very simple, clean format, and then we were... You know what I thought we should do, John? Maybe we should just record a little podcast. We just record them. That's it. Birthday, boom. Are you thinking like maybe three minutes or, or less. five or two? Well, you and I would like this whole, his birthday, we've been 
when you by the time you got to the the levers and pulleys and the ropes in the bed, I mean, you have to build up to that, right? Yeah. Well, you all thought he was going to die of lead poisoning or something, right? Light? Well, imagine he was... rubbed it all over himself and inhaled it for sixty seconds, and then New Jersey closes the plant the next day. People were losing it. Yeah, stuff. that's what we need. We need more sound effects. We need a snare drum. Why should it start adding that in? Oh. And things like that. And maybe we should start putting in that the box you got from Vegas, the Ooh. talking box that has yeah. all those crass things it says. Oh, you understand that. Hey, uh, our shop talk today is a pretty simple one, I think. But mm-hmm. um, I found this, and I thought as a business story, it would be something that John and I have ex- had experience with firsthand, not in this particular issue, but uh, in issues like this overall when it comes to companies and morality. So the headline is, Edelman sibling advises clients to stay silent on the abortion debate. So Edelman is a large holding company of a number of um, large PR firms, which yeah. um, work primarily in the business sector. And uh, they have a, a, a smaller, or they call it a sibling shop named Zena, Zeno, sorry, uh, in Chicago, I believe. And the, uh, someone in the agency had sent out a note to all their clients telling them to s- remain silent and don't get essentially into the, to the discussion of the Roe v. Wade controversy with the leak that came out of the, uh, came out of the uh, Supreme Court. And so I pulled this in particular because John and I, when we were doing a lot of work around uh, in the LGBTQ space, when marriage was very popular and they were asking uh, companies to take a stand on marriage, um, there was a very defined way that they felt companies either should or should not speak about the issue. And, but now as generations have changed, particularly with Gen Z, they really want you, or they really want to know what, where companies stand and what companies say about certain things. But this one with Roe v. Wade, I didn't know what, what would you, what would you advise your client to do? Um, you know, this is, uh, and, and Tim brings this article to us on the heels of the issues that surround Disney in Florida with governor Ron DeSantis and the parental rights bill, also known as the don't say gay bill. Disney was behind the eight ball on that, meaning their employees wanted them to say something by the time they did, it was already being, it already passed the legislature and was being uh, ready for signing by the governor. And then he slapped back and took their, um, their status away as an independent body in Florida that could operate their 50, 50,000 acres of this yeah. huge amount of land that they have the Reedy Creek district. So, I think if you're a CEO, um, you're looking at that, you're looking at the culture wars, and and you're really maybe not wanting to wade into this. However, on the heels of this article, Tim, did you notice that um, Starbucks today announced that uh, they would take care of the expenses uh, associated with a woman's uh, reproductive rights or um, transitioning for, or for those that want to transition for the medical costs? Which like raised my like I, I was like, wow, that's fantastic. But you know, there the minute you say that and you put that out there, you are in fact doing something great if you're a consumer that super cares about um corporate involvement in these issues, right. such as Gen Z. This is a big this is a good thing. You're like, wow, thank you, Starbucks. But there's a whole bunch of people who might now say, Well, I'm not gonna go to Starbucks now because look what they're doing. So and yet then it's similar this- and similar, I'll stop you there for one quick step, but it's probably similar to Subaru in that yep. If somebody said, well, I'm not going to buy your car. Well, you weren't going to anyway. Buy anyway, yeah. And I think somebody, the, 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 the definition of what a Starbucks consumer is, my guess is, is probably not somebody who is uh, as narrow-minded as maybe uh, 
the bathroom bill people might be or whatever. So what happens with um, what happens when a corporation does in fact weigh into something political? I'm I'm guessing that if it's Citizens United, you know, John Roberts, um, corporations can fund campaigns and do things like that. Corporations are people too, right? Yeah. But but they're not people if they weigh into something that is a social, like a culture war thing, or and when the culture wars are defined. Basically, it's any issue that riles somebody up because someone else is different, in my opinion. Or in the the Roe v. Wade thing, you know, I've I've been reading about a number of organizations that are going to mount First Amendment lawsuits against it because not every religious faith views this issue the way Christianity or Catholicism does. So it's right. it's a it's a mess. And you know, you you didn't hear it here first, but I'm reading that the draft opinion that we saw from Alito. Is actually the still still the opinion circulating around the court? Did you hear that news? No, well? I didn't. I haven't heard that. Because people that. are like, oh, and then and then here's something you and I talked about before. You remember how everybody was? All the Republicans had their hands flailing in the air. Oh my God, the leak, the leak, the leak. Got to find yeah. the leaker. They got pretty quiet all of a sudden, right? Well, they said they didn't really want to find the leaker because if they did, they would have brought in the FBI, and they used their own little internal. Security. So there's some article I read, it was in Politico, or it might have been in Axios, where there is a theory that you and I might have been correct about this, that the leak might have come not from the liberal side of the court, but from the conservative side of the right. court, because apparently John Roberts was working the issue behind the scenes to see if he could swing one of the Kill other justices the to off. say, let's let's uphold it, change it, whatever. And they're like, uh-uh, we got the votes, we're going to do it. So... Back to the original point, though, you know, this is a delicate dance that corporations and I'm amazed that we still are in a position where we still have to dance around some of these things as well. Like I, I corporations don't really come out like they don't have to come out in favor of gay marriage per se, but they participate in a, a gay pride event. Right. Right. Well, at the time when at the time when we were approached, it was gosh, you could probably count a handful. It was absolute Subaru, American mm-hmm. Express, American Airlines, whatever. And I remember they wanted us to come out with a definitive statement yep. on marriage. Because Massachusetts, I think, it just, it just was one of the it. first states, yeah. Massachusetts and Vermont. And I knew we were not going to go anywhere near there and, um, and stayed away from it. But now I think in the environment, when we're talking about Gen Z, and you and I have been doing a lot of research for another client on Gen Z, is they want to know where these companies stand. I just they care. Don't. Yeah. But when you're a large, large corporation, you do have a number of different people you have to serve, right? You're serving stockholders or stakeholders, and there's conservatives that buy your products just like there are. are there, there, um, these even internal politics of working with yeah. vendors and work and, and staffing. You, you may have people on staff who, you know, okay, I'm, I'm you know, objection. Hey, and this reminds me, Netflix just did something too. Did you see the note from Netflix sent around? a memo to their employees saying, if you find it difficult to work on some of our, some of the content that we produce for religious, moral, whatever reasons you have, you might not want to be working on Netflix. <laughs> so, which is, I was a different take entirely, right? It's like, right. this is what we do. We serve many, many people. Think about how much the content they produce, right? We serve many people. If you don't want to be involved in that, okay, fine. But this might not be the place for you. Well, we had, a, you know, one of the, when I, right before I left, one of the debates at Subaru was we had advertised a lot on the national news shows, but then also on CNN and MSNBC. Yep, that's right. And there were a number of conservatives at the company in senior positions wanted to know why we weren't on Fox and wanted us on Fox. And um, so eventually they ended up putting 
some advertising on Fox, but uh, and then the news outlets, you know, Hannity and that whole mm-hmm. crowd. But um, not not the demographic of Subaru, though. And Tim, you taught me something way back in the day as well when you were a director of marketing. Um, political season would roll around, and yeah. Tim would say, "Well, you know, we do donate to some candidates, but we donate one hundred percent." equally so it's 50 50 so if there's a democrat they get five bucks the the republican gets five dollars and i'm like well why would you do that you said never know who's going to (laughs) win because at the end of the day these companies want to have positive tax laws for them Mm -hmm. particularly in places like new jersey so they want a good environment to operate in so i think the edelman piece is interesting and i have not seen companies weighing in on this unless they talk about providing financial resources for women who need particular care or they have to travel out of state and there has been a few companies like as i mentioned starbucks brought that up but it's kind of you know static the white noise white noise until we get the final decision from the supreme court which i think we all know what that is but Mm -hmm. anyhow folks we want to thank you for joining us today here on the focus group um Lots of learning happened. I'll say I'm still back at the leaded gas and the Freon and the <laughs> strangling, strangling yourself with the contraption you built to get you in and out of bed. But that was our business birthday. So uh, we want to remind you that Deep Discount is a partner of ours here in the Focus Group. Go to focusgroupradio.com, click on the Deep Discount logo, start your shopping. Sci-fi horror sale. I pick Looper. Tim picked a double feature called Munchie and Munchies. I'll leave it at that. Rewind to see that whole bit there. And the uh, new release this week is Licorice Pizza, a must view if you can. We want to remind you to not text and drive and always arrive alive. And thank you for spending time with us this week. And we will see you next week. It's the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.